Um, so, good afternoon, good evening, good morning, depending on when you're listening to this. This is episode four of the Strongcast, and I'm joined by Dave Crossland, performance, in, performance and image enhancing drugs specialist and um, star of the DVD documentary series Under Construction, The Freak. For a lot of people in my generation of training, that was probably the first time we saw drug use discussed really openly on something that you would watch on telly. Um, and Dave has come along today. Um, he's a friend of the family, as it were. He's come along today to discuss if you're considering using steroids, the things that you should think about before you make that decision. If you've decided to use steroids, the things you should put in place to make sure that that is done as safely and as sensibly as possible. And thirdly, with those things in mind, if you've decided to go ahead and you've put all those things in place, what should that first cycle look like? Um, we're not going to use loads of techno jargon. We're not going to overcomplicate things. If there is anything that you want further clarification on or you want no more details on, you can message myself or you can message Dave. I'll tag his social media links in afterwards. Um, so we're going to keep it nice and sweet and simple. And um, this is Mr. Crossland. Hello. Obviously not a good friend of the family. Podcast number four. Well, <laughs> you're a very busy man. Um, and I thought, you know, maybe not set the tone on the first one by talking about drugs. <laughs> no, he's fine. I'm winding you up. Um, yeah, I mean, first cycles, I think one of the things with first cycles or preparing to use a cycle is that you get into certain habits that you will then use for the rest of your usage time. Um, and whether you want to admit this or realize this at all or not, it's rare someone does one. I was definitely only going to do one. Yeah, it's rare. Uh, people do. They, they do. It does happen. But generally, when I've you... Known people, I've known people do things like a cycle of debol or something, yeah. but I, I can't think of many people that have done what I would call a proper cycle. And then never done another one again. No. Yeah. It, it's And the reason by that is because it's very difficult to go back to normal progress once yeah. you've experienced the enhanced progress. Um, so one of the things, you know, when you're thinking about whether you're going to start a cycle, that is something that people very rarely actually consider. The the effect that this drug may have on me in the way that it improves my ability to train and grow and perform may be difficult to walk away from. Now, something I've heard you talk about in the past that I think is relative to that is you've said in the past that if you can't make progress without drugs, using drugs is the last thing you want to do because you will then become completely reliant on them. Um, is that yeah. something you stand by? Yeah, very much so. Um, I mean, here's a, a prime example. Okay, steroids don't create much muscle growth in their own right. All right, they're not a compound where you take and you then sit on your ass playing cod and you grow. They work by effectively and very basically improving your ability to recover and your ability to utilize protein and your ability for your muscle fibers to build more tissue. They speed that process up, but they don't speed up the initial instigation of growth, which is the training. Yeah. So now steroids will make you stronger, which allows you to push more load and do more muscular damage. 
But if your basic training is not stimulating growth, then you're missing the key component, the things that starts it all. You know, you can have the, the biggest engine car in the world with the fastest capable speed, but if you never turn the engine on, you ain't going nowhere. And I suppose if you're not making progress without the drugs, the suggestion would be that when you come off them, you're going to start to revert back to where you were. Whereas if you're someone who can make progress without them, when you come off, you should at least be able to hold water. Well, yeah, I mean, the... Oh, the, the sorry, uh, tread water, not hold water. Yeah, I, I knew what you meant. Hold <laughs> water is what you do when you have too much estrogen. Um, yeah. the, the, the basic premise of this is if you use something to create the scenario, when you remove that, the scenario will no longer be there. And the easiest way to get people to relate to this is to talk about dieting. So if someone had said, I want to lose weight, and you turn around and said, right, take this fat burner, that fat burner, and this fat burner, and they said, what about my diet? And they said, oh, you'll be fine. Just take those fat burners. Yeah. You may well lose weight, but you know that as soon as you stop those fat burners, you'll put that weight back on because you've not addressed the underlying problem, which is the fact that you're a fat fucker and you eat too much. Yeah. It's the same with steroids. If if you require drugs to grow, then you're never going to grow without them, and you're going to regress as soon as you remove the chemicals. Yeah. Where if you have a solid platform to start with, and I'm not talking about, you know, oh, I've put six pounds on in a month and I'm natural, just that you are making progress. The basic mechanism is there. And then what happens is the drugs speed up that process. Yeah. They don't create it. So when yeah. and so when you remove that, and this is where, and I wouldn't like to put a number on it, but a huge number of users fail to progress year in, year out. Because they go on cycle, they get big, yeah. they come off cycle, they shrink, they get depressed, so they go back on cycle, they get big, they come off cycle, they shrink. And year on year, they see no linear progress. There are people I know that stop training when they're off cycle. Yeah, there's a whole range of things that go on. But, you know, yeah, there's a guy who trains at Haas. That, I mean, he's a good friend of mine. He won't mind me saying. Um, but he, he does exactly that. He's very open about it. He jumps on. He'll train for six months. He gets in decent shape. He finishes his cycle. And then he, he doesn't train for three months. I mean, it's personal choice. I don't cast judgment on that. But if you're wanting to progress... It, but you, you only ever get back to the point you was at last time. No. The, yeah. yeah. You'll just end up going back to the same point, the same point, the same point. You might be a little bit leaner. You might be a little bit stronger, but you're not getting any real solid progress. Yeah. And, I mean, I'm, we're not getting science in this, but just to, to look at the science, it's estimated that 80% of steroid users are in some way dependent. Yeah. So, you know, that's 80% of people that use steroids get to a position where either psychologically or physically they can't stop using. Yeah. That's a big number. So so in terms of things little Johnny needs to consider, and as much as I would like to sit here on my high horse and say, unless you're 25 and five, five years training, you shouldn't be considering it. We, we deal with people in the shop all the time. We run the Hedge Project. We have done for three years now. I know lots of people will come in as they're approaching their 18th birthday to get their their blood work done before their first cycle. So you Johnny, you're coming up to being 19, say you've been training for a year or so. What things does Johnny need to consider um, specifically? 
I would first focus on hone in your craft, which is your training. Yeah. Uh, maybe worthwhile investing in a coach that can teach you different styles and try different styles of training. Try them all. Everyone, try dog crap, try FST7, try sticking your foot up your ass and putting elastic bands around your arms, whatever. Because the bigger repertoire you have, the better you will have at being able to, to manipulate your physical. Yeah. And then if you've come to the conclusion that you're going to use, ideally, in a perfect world, we're looking at someone being 24 or older. In reality, that's rarely the case. If you can hold off, the bigger foundation you build naturally, the better you're going to get as a response when you start the gear. Yeah. But, you know, at the end of the day, at whatever point you have decided to use, that's personal to use. To you, sorry. That's personal to you. As long as those people have been given the right information, which is that this may, although it doesn't have to be, it may end up being a lifelong commitment. Mm -hmm. There are real, genuine health detriments. Because yeah. I think often in this, you get to, you'll either get the people who will say, oh, it's fine, you know, steroids are fine, they don't have any health risks at all. And you get the other camp, which is like my nana, who will say, oh, they'll kill you when you're 25. And the truth is, of course, somewhere in the middle. So it yeah. is important to understand that there are genuine, real health risks with using steroids. Steroids are not safe. It is person, and it is dose, and it is duration specific, which basically means it is reflected in how dangerous they are by how much you use and how long you use it for, and the sort of person you are. And the thing is, a lot of us only have a very basic knowledge of our actual health. Yeah. We haven't undergone, you know, investigatory procedures into our heart or such like, so we don't know if we have underlying issues. But the very first protocol for me would be bloods. Yeah. So, and this isn't just you want your hormone palette because you want to see what your normal natural hormones are, yeah. what your baseline is. How do you know if you've returned to normal after your cycle if you don't actually have that information of what normal was? Yeah. Secondly, you want your general health markers because you want to make sure there isn't an underlying issue. Now, if you've gone from being party animal to a health kick and then jumping onto gear relatively quickly. There could be still problems going on with liver stress from your partying days. There could be problems going on with kidney stress from your partying days. If you haven't looked at those and made sure that they are relatively good, then you could actually be going to the point with a straw that will break the camel's back because steroids have a huge impact on kidneys. It's manageable, but there is a growing number of long-term users starting to suffer kidney problems. Yeah. So you want to make sure that your general health is in a position where you can use. Yeah. You, you know, and that's not difficult to check. A doctor, most doctors will give you an MOT, so to speak, particularly if you tell them you've been partying heavy for a period of time, they're, they're more usually very, very happy to give an MOT. And obviously there's a lot of private services now that offer blood testing as well. And a lot of these services also offer an independent doctor or health professional's interpretation of that blood work as well so if you're not spending a huge amount of money you can get a full work up and see where you are and because i can tell dave doesn't want to do it i'll do the plug right there if you do get blood work done you can approach a company like eval who will analyze that blood for you from the perspective of people who deal with users eval is dave's company there are other companies available um but it's worth 
I've got friends who are GPs. There are GPs who are very knowledgeable out there, but there are very few GPs who are as knowledgeable on relative to our subject mm. as people like Dave. Now, there are other people. Um, Aaron, who runs a hemp project for us, his private business is Vitruvian Man. He does private work. Uh, Dr. Dean St. Mark, he's, a, he's an actual proper doctorate. Um, there are specialists out there. So if you've got that blood work, um, it doesn't hurt to pay someone. I don't know what you charge at Eval. Um, but you know, it's either 15 or 25 quid uh, between you know, yeah. you want the basic, which just explains what you've got going on or the advance, which tells you what's going on and how to fix it. So that, that would be the advice I would give is get blood work done, but make sure you get an evaluation done by someone who knows what they're talking about. Those of you who know strong will know that we have the hemp project in store. We do do uh, limited free blood work, but it is only five slots a week. And as we've become more well known throughout the UK, we don't have the capacity to do um, the whole of the UK's user base, unfortunately. Um, so there are lots of services out there. Make sure you get that looked at by someone who knows what they're talking about. So we've got Jimmy. Jimmy has looked at the long-term health risks and is, is happy with those. He knows how to train properly. He um, accepts um, that he may end up making a lifelong commitment. And he has gone and got his blood work done, and there are no issues there. What other things does Jimmy need to do? Consider lifestyle. Okay. Um, and and, and, and um, this is probably one where a lot of people go awry. Um, if you like your weekends, like a bit of sniff, like having a few bevies, then really you need to consider the total toxicity you're going to be putting in your body. Now, our bodies are actually quite incredible because of the shit we ask of them and the shit we put into them and how well they adapt and cope with that. They are, to be honest, brilliant at coping with shitty lifestyles and shitty diets and anything else. Yes, those things will cause health problems long term. But our bodies still do a very good job of us actually still maintaining function on very subpar nutrition and very subpar environments. But it has a limit. And for every toxin or negative action or negative element of your lifestyle you have, you're about to add another one. Yeah. And steroids have a stress factor on the body. They have a toxicity factor on the body. If you've already got that, from something else, then you're going to really start to increase the risk element of this tenfold. So consider your lifestyle. Um, and when it comes to recreational drugs, not going to get complex, but we'll just say there are unique interactions between steroids and recreational drugs and how they work in the brain, which can and does cause problems. So it's not something you really want to be mixing. If anyone wants to know about that in more detail, by all means, drop me a line. I've even done a few videos on the, my my own podcast channel of it, but uh, and I'll explain what actually happens. The other thing is alcohol. Now, alcohol has a, a big impact on natural testosterone levels. It will reduce them by about half, and it can take around three days for them to fully recover. The other thing alcohol does is increase the aromatization, the conversion of testosterone to estrogen. Now, when you're in, you have two basic main hormones, testosterone and estrogen. Testosterone is primarily a male hormone. Estrogen is primarily a female hormone, but both sexes have both. Estrogen is important to a male. It is very important for cholesterol management. It's very important for sexual libido, making your dick work. 
and actually plays a big role in growing. But you get too much of it, and it starts to cause problems. Water retention, which in turn will cause BP, blood pressure increase. Acne, gyno, which is effectively where a man starts to grow a pair of tits, and it's not the nice pair that you like to fondle, unfortunately, the little lumpy things. Uh, yeah, and they can look very unsightly, and they can be very disturbing to somebody who has them. Uh, it's something that actually isn't usually that noticeable on most people, but you do become very, very aware of it and very hyper-conscious of it, and it can cause people large amounts of stress. I did have a big old pair of titties, though. Oh, you are a big old tit, so... Mine were pretty bad. Mine were uh, apparently like the size of a potato. According to the surgeon. You know, I often think of potato when I see you. <laughs> um... um but so, you know, when you alcohol increases this. Yeah. So one of the reasons why long-term beer drinkers get beer bellies is because they have high levels of estrogen and low levels of testosterone. So they start to put fat in areas that women do, hips and waist. Um, so as a user with elevated levels of testosterone, the last thing you want in there is something that's going to massively increase your body's ability to convert that into estrogen. So alcohol on cycle... I'm not saying you can't have a drink, just be sensible. What you don't want to be doing is going out and hammering the town every fucking weekend. It's this thing, if you're going to make a decision to do something that is detrimental to your health, maybe try and only do one of those things at a time. Yeah, uh, the one I, I think, pick your poison is all I've already said. If you're going to take some, you know, pick one poison, don't take three, um, and you're going to have a much better chance of surviving it. I, uh, from a personal perspective, um, one of the first people that I knew that died from steroid use and I'm not trying to be like Grim, oh, you take steroids and you'll die. Really liked a bit of cocaine. Um, and he had a um, he had a, a heart condition that he didn't know about, an enlarged heart or a, some kind of heart issue. Uh, and he went partying and, and he had a heart attack at age 24. Um, so cocaine and steroids, in my opinion, don't mix at all. I know two other people since that have had heart issues related to a combination of the two. I don't know if there's any evidence or data around that, but just from personal experience, lots don't do it together. Yeah. Um, um, but no, I mean, the, the truth of this is people do die because of their steroid use with yeah. no underlying factors. That is the truth. Um, unfortunately, you've got, unfortunately, you've got one element that think that all steroids kill everybody. And you've got one element that are in complete denial because the use, and as we said at the beginning, it's somewhere in the middle. There are people that are no longer with us because they took steroids. But then again, there are people that have taken steroids for 20, 30 years and live healthy and productive lives. The oldest guy I know that uses is 72. Yeah. And he still cycles correctly. And he's, he's a monster of a man for his age. And he's incredibly fit. But he very rarely goes over 600, 700 meg. Yeah. I, mean, I think it's fair to say that when things are done sensibly... It's not risk-free, but it doesn't need to be a huge risk either. Oh, yeah. One of the reasons I wanted to do this podcast with you, Dave, was because when I was coming up, and, and I mean, I've used steroids for 12 years, I believe, off and on, mostly on. Um, you've, you've used more steroids for a longer period of, well, not more maybe, but you've used steroids for a longer period of time than I have. Yeah, and I'm very lucky in that all my health markers are fine, and, and actually the only issues I've got are, are ones injury-related. Um but the point is, I guess, that when I started, it was always drilled into me that trend was something that was only used by experienced competitors. 
and that it required an awful lot of respect and that anything over a gram was completely ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And both of those things are now commonplace and, mm-hmm. and get thrown around at people who have been in the sport for six months. Um, and we'll get onto that more later because I did say I didn't want to overcomplicate things and Dave's been on a very good flow and I've interrupted. Um, but the, uh, I suppose that the key thing with it is that sensible, safe use can be defined, I believe, to an extent. Yeah, no, it, it's you will always get exceptions. You know, of everything there is, there will always be exceptions. But in general, if you're sensible, if you adhere to basic guidelines and you keep an eye on your health, in most cases, you'll get free, relatively scar-free. Um, there are more complex issues at work in certain aspects, but it's definitely another video and not one for today sure. because it will just make it far, far messier and too difficult. Well, the, the plan is to do off the back of these, um, uh, the people have been asking questions on the other one. So in, in maybe two months' time, we'll do a, an advanced theory course. As yeah. Okay. So we've got Jimmy. He's looked at his lifestyle. He's, he's quite happy there that he's going to not go out on the piss for 12 weeks. He's... Um, He's had his blood work done. There's no issues there. He, he knows how to train. He knows how to eat. He's been making slow but steady progress, and he's decided he's going to do a cycle. What, in your opinion, should that look like, and how should he go about doing it? Well, don't you think, firstly, we need to very quickly explain what happens when you take the drugs? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So we have in our bodies what's known as the HPTA, which is the hypothalamus pituitary testicular axis. Don't get hung up on the terminology. It's not important. Basically, a bit of your brain sends a signal to a pair of bollocks that hang underneath your brain, which is your pituitary gland, which then send two signals to your bollocks, one telling them to make sperm and one telling them to make testosterone. And then from that point, testosterone is converted into the other hormones, i.e. estrogen, that your body needs. Testosterone or hormones are created from a base material, and that base material is cholesterol. So when you use steroids, receptors throughout your body, but particularly in your balls and in your pituitary and in your hypothalamus in your brain, realize that your hormone levels are rising, and so those signals get reduced. Eventually, they get reduced to a point that is classed as shut down, which is 0.3 or less when it comes to FSH, which is the uh, sperm signal, and LH, which is the hormone, testosterone signal. When you finish your cycle, you don't automatically start up again. Now, in your balls, you have two types of cells. You have the serotonin cells that deal with sperm. Again, the names aren't really important, so don't get hung up on them. And you have the Leydig cells that deal with hormone production. When those Leydig cells are not being stimulated by the LH from the pituitary, the hormone that tells you to make hormones, they shrink and they start to waste away. That can cause permanent damage. Now, there is, we, the body has a lot of what they call redundancies built in, so we generally have the capability of doing much more than what it currently does, and we usually have a lot of things in reserve. But over time, they can get damaged to such a point that they don't work properly, and that's why people then have to use hormones permanently to, to, to replicate what the body would have done. So after a cycle, we need to get those cells back up and working again and we need to restore the signals from the brain 
causing the balls to make hormone. So shutdown is exactly that. It's when the hormone signals cause your own body's natural production to shut down. And PCT or post-cycle therapy is the process of trying to get your balls working again afterwards. It's one thing that comes out of this straight away is your cholesterol levels will change when you're on cycle. And your LDL will increase. And depending on drug, particularly if you're using oral drugs, your HDL will go down. So the first thing you need to look at when you're on cycle is managing your cholesterol correctly. The other thing is, now this is where we start to build the cycle. If luteinizing hormone, LH, that comes from my pituitary gland, goes down and tells my balls to make testosterone, and that signal is what keeps my Leydig cells healthy, the cells that make hormone, wouldn't it be great if I could make sure that signal continued while I was on cycle? Well, you can there is a compound called HCG, human chronic gonotropin, and it mimics LH. Now, you won't produce natural hormones when you're on cycle because there are mechanisms that stop that from happening, but it will keep the Leydig cells buoyant, full, and stop them from wasting away. Crucially more receptive post-cycle to being restarted, isn't there? So it's a protective action to try and protect the Leydig cells from getting damaged while you're on cycle, and yes, it aids recovery at the other end. When it comes to an actual cycle, we have two main options for, for running a steroid cycle. We have orals or injectables. There's nothing wrong with oral-only cycles, but because of the mechanism of how you take them, i.e. they go through your stomach, they're going to be more stressful on the liver, they're going to be more stressful on the stomach, so that's worth considering, but they can be productive. The, the thing I've said on oral learning cycles previously on, it's actually my most popular video on YouTube, you will have learned this, talk about steroids, suddenly your views shoot up. Um, my issue with oral only cycles isn't that they're not effective, because I've actually done them myself in the past, is just the level of commitment mentally that is required to do them. Do you know what I mean by that? It's a lot easier to take a tablet than it is to, for someone who's never done it, drawing up some fluid you bought off a bloke into a vial and injecting it requires a lot more thought and therefore a lot of the stuff we've talked about the, the, the oral the oral process is much more flippant yes i get what you're saying you're much less likely to do all those things we suggested little jimmy should do beforehand but if jimmy has done all those things no issue now if it's injectable and even if it's oral pick one compound because these drugs all have unique properties. Now, all steroids are based on either testosterone, dihydrotestosterone, and nandrolone. Don't worry too much about that. There's three baselines. But the effects can vary massively between drug to drug. So pick one. Because if you've got more than one compound in there, this is your first cycle. You don't know how you're going to react. You don't know if you're going to be sensitive to estrogen. You don't know if you're going to convert at a high rate to estrogen. You don't know if you're going to be sensitive to prolactin or you're going to raise prolactin. These are all hormones in our body that steroids can affect. So if you've got one, then anything that changes, you know, is down to that one. And then once you've learned how you react with that drug, you know, then if you add a second drug in a later cycle, two or three cycles down the road, 
then you know if anything changes again that it's the new drug that's creating the problem and not the original drug because you've already had experience with that drug and you know how your body interacts with it. So start with one. And the basic and most common injectable and most sensible one around them all is testosterone because it's what we produce naturally. Yeah. So all our bodily functions are designed to work off testosterone. When you start using other compounds in a single format, they're not what the body is designed to work with, and so their management can be complex. The basic thing would be testosterone. And doses, we have to assume with this, now because 99% of people will be buying an underground lab, we are going to assume that the lab is producing a drug that is dosed at what it should be. And at that case, really dosing 300 to 500 milligrams, uh, depending on, on how you feel personally, are both going to yield results. Obviously, the 500 is going to yield slightly more results. And it should still, for 90% of people, be relatively easy to manage. You will get a few people that will have estrogen levels of 500, where you'd probably get virtually nobody that's going to have problems managing 300. But anywhere between three and five, if you go below three, you're sort of shutting yourself down for not much benefit. Yeah. There's got to be a point, there is a point where you've got to have at least a certain amount in there to really get anything out of it. Um, like it was, was 400 megs a week for 12 weeks. I don't even know what my first one was. Yeah, 400, well, because your first cycle was two years long. Four, four. Sorry. <laughs> I'll tell you when we're off air. Remind me. I, I, I've done, I think it's four cycles, five cycles in total in my life. The yeah. first one was four years long. Yeah. And then the other four, the other four were quite normal. <laughs> this is very much a learn from Dave's mistakes kind of lesson. Yeah. Do as I say, not as I do. <clears throat> well, the thing was, I didn't know any different. It was what yeah, I got I, to. This, I, I, you know, you know, this kind of information wasn't available. My first cycle was off a bloke at the gym. He gave me some stuff and said, take that. And that, other than a little bit of research I've managed to do um, in, um, uh, I think it was a, a medical book that didn't really help me. Um, you couldn't do much. I mean, this was, for me, 13, 14 years ago. Um, yeah, I hadn't discovered forums and things like that. And, and you're absolutely right. So people are very lucky now that this information and so on is out there and it is accessible. My first cycle was 30 years ago, uh, and I old. just got, I am old, I just got told to take this. I, the guy that told me actually didn't supply it, he pointed me to somebody else. Well, um, we should mention, really, is obviously we can't supply or help anyone with sourcing, so I know I said messages about that stuff, please don't message us about that, because I wouldn't, you know what, I'm out of the game, for, I've been out of the game for so long, I couldn't, I wouldn't even know where to send it, but that's not something we can do. We can't advise on whether a certain lab is good or it's bad or, or whatever. <coughs> what I would say is try and, try and have a network of people that you can trust. Well, this I is know that's not great, but it's the best suggestion I've got. Dave might have a better one. No, I mean, sourcing correct or reliable gear is problematic. Uh, and all you can really do is go off reputation. But don't go off reputation all my mate said. Or a Facebook group where there's 30 people in there are all saying certain products fantastic when they may have, well, 
for all you know, all be the same person, or all friends with the same person, or all getting it for free or whatever. Especially that Facebook page's name after the lab that's producing the product, which is the usual scenario. Yeah. So yeah. go to independent pages, um, ask there, get a more broad spectrum opinion of what out there is decent. It, it's not ideal, but it's a reasonable way of getting something that's going to be fairly where you need to be. And luckily for most people, testosterone is 99.99% of the time, testosterone. It just might not be quite as strong as it's supposed to be. But if you've got, it, if you've got something that's fake, it may well end up being testosterone, in fact. Yeah, yeah, it's usually the opposite way around. It's other drugs that are replaced with testosterone. So testosterone's fairly stable as a compound and reliable to actually source. You know, so you've decided your dosing, you've decided your source. Obviously, you need to purchase it. Try and make sure you can purchase everything that you will definitely need and anything you might need all at the same time. I was just about to go there, yes. I was going to say, when you buy your cycle, buy your estrogen management and buy your post-cycle therapy so that you have everything ready to go. So you cover any eventuality. What you do not want is to be halfway through a cycle and starting to suffer with estrogen-related sides and then trying to source an, an anti-estrogen and having to get one that you didn't really want to use because it's the only one that's available. You're not able to now, get one at all quite often. Now, the, the, the main issues arising from single, single source testosterone use is estrogen. That's the primary issue you're going to get. Um, and estrogen sides start generally with water retention. If they get very high, you'll have an impact on your libido. You'll have some, your dick won't work properly. Um, you might see acne um, and you'll see an increase in blood pressure and, it, and you might start to feel your nipple gets itchy. Now, you have two approaches to managing estrogen. Uh, and my personal approach and how I like to run things is I like when someone starts a cycle that they start using a drug called tamoxifen or Novodex. Now, this is what's known as a SERM, a selective estrogen receptor modulator. Again, the name's not important. What this drug does is it blocks certain estrogen receptors. It blocks the ones at maturity and the hypothalamus, and it blocks the ones at the nipple, preventing gyno from starting. But it still allows estrogen to have an impact in muscle tissue, and it still allows estrogen to have an impact in the liver, which helps support healthy cholesterol. Then at three to four weeks into your cycle, test your hormones. This will give you an indication as to whether your testosterone is dosed correctly, because you can look at your test levels. Yeah. It will also show you where your estrogen level is and where your prolactin level is. Now, prolactin is another female hormone. Uh, a lot of people don't realize that all steroids can raise prolactin. They think it's only one type of steroid, which is the nandrolone family. But in fact, all steroids can raise prolactin. So at three, four weeks, You've got a basic preventative estrogen management in there. That's going to cover you from any nastiness that could occur. And at four weeks, you have a look at your levels. And based on that, you can work out if you need an estrogen. Now, the upper male range, 155, 159, I think is what it is. So ideally, you want to be running below that. But you still want estrogen to be sort of up the top end, as long as you're not getting symptoms. Because the closer you can keep estrogen and testosterone into balance, the less side effects it's going to cause.
Yeah. When you lower estrogen right down, you'll start to see that you actually get more side effects than you would if it was run a little bit higher. And estrogen yeah. is, is very good at growing, which is why the old school drugs like Test and Dynabol, the drugs that convert to estrogen, are actually very effective at producing muscle mass. Um, and then you'd add in estrogen management if it was required. The go-to for me for estrogen management is aromacin or exmastain. Yeah. The reason why? Because aromacin doesn't affect your cholesterol levels. Now, the other two anti-estrogen management drugs are what is known as AIs, and they are letrozole. You should never use that on a cycle because it is that harsh and that strong. It will obliterate your estrogen levels. And if anyone tells you it will get rid of your existing gyno, they're full of shit. Yeah, or Arimidex. Now, Arimidex is still a very strong anti-estrogen, but on bigger cycles, sometimes it is necessary. But it will affect your cholesterol levels. Now, the other problem with these two drugs is that there is an enzyme that converts testosterone to estrogen. It's called aromatase. Those two drugs stop that enzyme from being produced, so you don't convert as much testosterone to estrogen. The problem is when you remove those drugs is that conversion bounces back at a very high level. So you get this huge, massive balloon of aromatase, which in turn can balloon your estrogen. And bear in mind, you're going to be doing this at the point when you're trying to recover your natural hormone levels. Yeah. High estrogen levels will cause you to shut down in the same way as high testosterone levels will. Whereas aromacin attaches to aromatase once it's been produced, so it can't do its job. It doesn't affect the production. So there's no rebound. Yeah. This is why I prefer it all round. It is quite mild. Um, and you to get hold of as well, I, I've always found. Unfortunately, yes, because it's not as popular. What you find in the steroid world, people always want the most powerful version of everything. Because aromacin is relatively mild in estrogen management terms, it's not popular. But it is very effective if done correctly. And at your four-week mark, you know where you are. You can have a look at your estrogen. You would probably take secondary advice at this point as to how much anti-estrogen to run. Drop me a message. It's not a problem. I do it all the time. Um, watch me get four million messages now about estrogen. Yeah. It's all right. No one will listen to this. You'll be fine. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, okay. So there are three people that are watching this. Yeah. <laughs> but no, just, you know, uh, and then you set your estrogen management, and then you should be relatively good to go for the rest of your cycle. There should be very little else you need to do. Um, in terms of cycle length, um, I know 12 weeks is the kind of arbitrary figure that's always been bandied around. I've quite often felt that on a first cycle at a low dose of testosterone, if you're getting results, you may want to extend that a little bit. Um, I, you, I don't know. You might not feel that's a good idea. I would standard say 8 to 16 would be your range. Yeah, okay. Um, generally, I'd aim for 12. But if you're on a high and riding good, particularly because you're running HCG in your cycle, so you're protecting those Leydig cells, an extension to 16 is not that terrible. Going beyond that, you're starting to get into the realms of potential problems with recovery. And then, um, because we're talking about for a first cycle, someone just running test, um, personally, I would always say test SIP, enanthate or sustenon, not propanate or anything. I know, again, that sounds complicated. Um, it's where you kind of you need to research things, but effectively testosterone comes with different esters and um, you're going to want to use a longer ester for a first cycle because you don't want to be having to inject every other day. Um, 
one of the things we need to maybe talk about because people see lots of fantastical stuff online is is what you're going to expect from that say 12 weeks of a slow acting testosterone at 400 milligrams because it's not going to be dramatic no potentially not but um first before we do that let's just cover the hcg dose would be 250 ius every other day or monday wednesday friday throughout your cycle so where the hcg becomes tricky i think is if johnny still lives at home with his mum it does because it has to be it has to be refrigerated so it is a problem and it, look it's not the end of the world if you don't run it we're talking ideal scenario if you don't run it you just run a full-blown pct at the end and you know it might be but nine times out of ten, you're going to recover. Yeah. Um, and obviously, post-cycle, we're going to test our hormones anyway to see where we have recovered to. Yeah. So we know we're not going on another cycle until our levels are back up to where they were when we started. Yeah. And this is where a lot of people go wrong because they'll come off. And I can tell you now that your range of testosterone is 8 to 29. Okay? That's effective. It's called N-mol, and it's 8 to 29. If you were 28 when you started, and when you finished your PCT, you were 22, you'd feel no different. Yeah. You wouldn't be able to tell by feel that you dropped six points in your test levels. And then if you did again and you came back at 19, chances are you'd still feel the same. And then you went 19, came back at 17, 16, chances are you will feel the same. And then you came back, you came back at 12. Now you're going to feel like shit. And it's that sudden. You get to a threshold, and then as soon as you drop over that, and that will be different for every person then you start feeling like absolute crap. If you'd tested in the first instance, you'd known you haven't made a full recovery and you'd know you needed to either repeat the PCT or just spend more time off until your levels come back up. Or if you didn't want to do that, you did it knowing that you hadn't fully recovered and the consequences of that. Yeah. Yeah, and I suppose that's a big part of it. It's, it's having responsibility, ownership over those actions mm -hmm. and the consequences that they may have. One other point, Somebody, I don't care who it is, must know what you're doing and where the drugs are. Because if you are in an accident, you have a situation where you require emergency or complex medical help, it may be important that they know what you've been taking. Now, I understand that Johnny, Jimmy, whoever we are on at the moment, we keep changing names, maybe living at home, maybe the twins. So maybe the twins are living at home and don't want to tell mum and dad. Understand that fully. Or don't want to tell the missus. Understand that. But somebody needs to know. Because Always tell if... the missus. Hmm? She will know. Always tell the missus. <laughs> well, yeah. Um... And I've got friends that still do cycles in secret, and it just seems <laughs> like that is a terrible plan. I don't agree with it. And at the end of the day, look, woman logic, if he's lying to me about this, what else is he lying to me about? I always know. Most of the time, yes. <laughs> you, you, can't, you can't put half a stone on in 12 weeks and then not notice. Well, talking about the half a stone in 12 weeks, we get back to that. What do you expect to gain? I think the average person who's your average person that's doing a cycle because they want to be a bit bigger, want to look a bit better in a T-shirt sort of thing, or want to improve their self-confidence, or whatever the motivators are, you're going to be looking anywhere between half a stone to a stone and a half, depending on your genetic profile. Yeah. Can people get more? Yes. But they are the sort of people that live and breathe this shit. 
that, that first cycle will always be more productive than any other cycle you do, unless you know you do some really retarded stuff later on. No, um, it is it is your first one, uh, and and it will never be the same again. Um, newbie gains are incredible, uh, and it is an experience that. In fact, you'll find that when you've been cycling for several years, that generally when you go on, you don't get the euphoria that you actually experience with your first cycle. Yeah. With my first cycle, and most people report the same, you feel like 10 men. You're jumping out of bed in the morning, yeah. you're full of the spring, you can get by on fucking fuck all sleep, still train like a demon, work all day, and you just seem to be putting strength on yeah. week in, week out. So uh, and it is beautiful <laughs> as an experience. We're not going to go into detail on um, PCT. For one, because I know Dr. Dean wants to do that one with me, but for two, because it's one of these things that can just, it can spiral into being super complex. And actually, I don't think it needs to be, which is where me and Dean occasionally butt heads a little bit. No, that's uh, it can be. It can be complicated. Yeah. Sometimes it isn't. Um, the drug you will need for that, Mr. Dave, please correct me if I'm wrong, will be a Novodextro-Tamoxifen, a Clomid, and, and a HCG. That's correct. They're the three basic PCPT drugs. And, and there, there are, are profiles out there. Dean's is very good. I've always done Scally's Power PCT, personally. Um, and I think the key point that Dean stresses and Dave stresses, and anyone who knows what they talk about stresses, is that you do not start that PCT until all of the compounds you've been using have cleared from your system. And if you don't understand when that will be, speak to someone who does. Scally's is actually designed to start before. Is it? Oh, the heat yes. Yeah, he designed it to start before because he knew people would struggle knowing how long to leave it. Yeah. Um, I, Me and Dean disagree on similar grounds to you. I think Dean's is over complex and unnecessary. Um, I personally believe there needs to be a little bit of an overlap, but again, that's probably a discussion for another day. Yeah. Um, Both my basic. Yeah, I've seen people recover very well with Dave's approach. I've seen people recover very well with Dean's approach. The, the 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 basic essence is, as your hormone levels come down like this, they get to a certain point when you can then start stimulating them to start producing naturally. The idea is that you get a point that's a crossover. Yeah. The difference between mine and Dean's protocols is that Dean wants it lower yeah. before he starts, I start it a little bit sooner. And that is, in essence, the basic difference between our protocols. And I guess I normally agree with Dave on most, almost all things. I have personally always got people to wait until everything is cleared. Hmm. Um, the standard is usually two weeks. And on 500 mig, you're not going to be too far out at that, to be fair. Much as this is the strong cast, and we would normally, or I would normally maybe talk about products if they're relevant, Support Max is a fantastic product. Um, you, don't need, you don't need to use it on a basic test cycle. If you choose to, then great. It's certainly not going to do you any harm. I do see when me and Dave talked about Support Max, on-cycle support was, was something that very few people did. Now it's almost become this little cottage industry where people will go really, really into it, and it's definitely beneficial to competitors that are doing complex stuff, taking multiple compounds. If you're doing a test-only cycle, it's not going to do you any harm. Um, a lot of people like a belt and braces approach, but I'm certainly not going to sit here and tell you that it's essential on a test-only cycle. No, no, but I personally would say that the the sooner you get into best practices, the better. No, that's fair too. That's fair too. Uh, uh, one thing you don't like plugging eval, I don't like plugging my own shit all the time. You know. 
the the other the other thing I want to touch on is blood test results. Yeah. The industry, people within the industry, people you'll experience on foremans and pages and, and social media are very quick to dismiss bad results as that's what happens when you're on cycle. I'm not saying that that sometimes isn't the case, but don't take that sort of dismissal as red. Yeah. Look into it. Try and get a more objective review um, because... Though there are factors that will change because you're on cycle, that doesn't mean you should just accept those factors and leave those levels where they are because those levels are still high. They are still causing issues. And you can add in supplementation to manage those levels and improve the performance of your body in general. Bear this one thing in mind. The body that grows the fastest and the biggest is the body that's the healthiest. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's very true. A healthy body does grow far, far better than a toxic body, and I've learned that myself when I have pushed things. Um, so I'd like to finish on it, Matt. Um, and you've learned. You've learned. You know, we've all done that at some point. I've I've done stupid shit because I didn't know no better. I've and if you want to find shit. out about that. Buy under construction one, <laughs> uh, the gearbox. Genuinely, genuinely, it's. I watched the first one before I knew Dave, and um, I, I've had lots of bodybuilding DVDs. I'm not just saying this. The only two that I've watched repeatedly are the under construction series and the prep series. Now, I don't know if it's because they were both done by James Grealish and he's very, very good at what he does, or, or if it's because they're about people um, rather than videos of people training. And, and that the, the thing is, so many people didn't pick on that on the UC, that it wasn't really about training, it was about a person. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. what they were willing to do to achieve a goal. So if you um, want to see what, what pushing it looks like, watch Under Construction 1. If you want to see what pushing it too much looks like, watch <laughs> Under Construction 2. Yeah. Well, uh, 2 is a very dark film. Uh, if, you, if you're wanting a nice bedtime film, it's not one for that. It's a very dark film. But... Two? Two is one of the, one of those things that a lot of people, I think, and Dave probably is probably saying this. A lot of people with um, bigger egos wouldn't have put under construction two out. I can't watch it. Uh, I I'm very uncomfortable watching it. The, the simple yeah. reason is, it is very difficult to watch watch you fuck your life up in HD, and it's a very surreal experience. Yeah, but um, you know. I mean. The, 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 the daft thing about the Inconstructions one was it was deliberate. Whereas my four-year cycle was born out of ignorance, yeah. my big cycles in UC1 and UC2, and there's only two cycles, one in each, um, were deliberate. Yeah. I deliberately pushed the boundaries to see what a human being could, could withstand. Well, you found out where the limit is. <laughs> oh, I did. I mean, <laughs> genuinely, I'm not just saying, they are genuinely a really good watch, um, and they're not expensive. Um, so, uh, to finish on, uh, we'll talk about lots of things you should do, things you absolutely shouldn't do. I will start with, you absolutely should not take Tren on your first cycle, use insulin, use growth hormone, or use any exotic compounds. I don't okay. care if coaches or what they say, I, I don't give a fuck. You don't need to even think about using any of those things on your first cycle. Your first cycle should be, if it's injectable, test. That's it. That's it. 
Nothing, not even Primo, which is a very mild drug, and I understand it's a very mild drug. You want to stick with the compound that mimics what you produce naturally for your first cycle. And you need to learn. You need to learn how your body reacts. Yeah. There's, there's things that I can do drug-wise that Richard can't and vice versa. Uh, and there's, there's levels of drugs that I can tolerate that would put him in a corner sticking fucking pencils up his nose and wearing his underpants on his head. I can't go over a gram of... Um, I've, well, I, I've gone to like two grams before and, and my head fell off completely. I cannot tolerate Tren, even 100 milligrams of Tren a week um, will will make my head fall off. And I, I know that sounds dramatic, um, but that will make me um, aggressive, suicidal, everything. Within within one week on 100 milligrams of Tren, I cannot tolerate it. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm mad enough for now to admit that I can't. I used to try when I was younger and I mean, I've done all sorts of silly things with it, but I just can't use it. Um, and I ran 1.5 grams of trend and I got mildly hot in an evening, and that was it. Yeah. No, Side I, effects I, wise. Um, I can't think of anything worse to put in my body, but you know. No, so I agree. Definitely no. Definitely don't be a party animal on your first cycle. Uh, do tell someone what you're doing. Preferably your partner or significant other, but if not, at least somebody. Yeah. Do not listen to people who haven't got a fucking clue and start with, well, my mate said, or, well, I did this. Talk to someone who at least has a base of knowledge or is perceived of having a base of knowledge. And there are people out there that... That is dubious on, admittedly. The problem with this whole scenario is that there's very there little... Science. No, there's no science in the doses that you take as a recreational user. Yeah. So it's all a bit open to interpretation. So you just have to listen to the people that make sense to you. But what I will do is say a couple of guidelines on that. If someone cannot explain what they are telling you in very simple, very basic one and two syllable words, bar the technical names for things that have to have that name, you know, the hypothalamus is your hypothalamus, you can't change its name. Um, if they can't do that, then I would suggest they don't know what they're fucking talking about and they just like the sound of their own voice. Because yeah. Well, was it Einstein that said that wisdom is the person? Simply, you don't understand it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and so be wary and, of and that. Is something that we try and stick to at Strom very, very thoroughly. I genuinely believe a lot of the jargon in the industry is there to inflate one's own ego. Yeah. You don't need it. Just because someone doesn't use big words when they explain something, when I say that Support Max Neuro helps you relax rather than, say, it activates your PNS. Doesn't mean I don't understand what it does. It means that I'm not trying to overcomplicate things for the end user because it won't benefit you. You don't want to make yourself sound important. And that's where a lot of people fall down. So be careful where you take advice from. But if someone knows the subject matter, they will be able to explain it simply on a level that you can understand. And just use common sense. If it doesn't make sense, chances are it isn't sense. Yeah. I think we've covered most things. I think so. I think so. I think, you know, one of the big things I see at the moment that 
frustrates me is people doing their first cycle and it's three compounds and it's this and that and it's the other and and people expecting very big results and it's, yes it sets people see that and they want to replicate it and you don't need to honestly you can make really good progress doing things sensibly um and uh what we've outlined is best practice now if, if you turn around and say, well, I haven't got the money to do all that blood work, well, then I would ask you not to do the cycle. If you decide you're going to do it anyway, then that's on you. And that's where the bit about taking responsibility about your own choices comes into it. Um, or if you can't be bothered, it's the same answer, really. Um, and, and you'll get the argument to that. Well, my mate did his first cycle of 500 mega test and, or 600 mega test, and, and he was fine, and he didn't do any bloods. And you know he was fine. Yeah. Because... People tend not to go to the mates. You know what? My dick don't work anymore because I fucked it up because I was taking too many drugs. Yeah. People tend to keep those sort of stuff private. So, you know, how do you know he was fine? These are practices that will steer you for the rest of your life. It is. It's, it's that principle of setting best practice so that you, you don't come unstuck later. Because, you know what, like Dave said right at the start, if you do one cycle, you're likely to do many, many more. And they're likely to become more complex. And all the things that we can touch on when we look at advanced drug use are likely to come into play. But if you haven't got the basics right, like doing your blood work, managing your estrogen levels, um, you know, not going out on the piss every weekend, if you can't do those things on a 500 mega test cycle, things are going to go very, very badly south very, very quickly when you start to move up that rung. Because the further you go into bodybuilding or powerlifting or strum or whatever it is, the more you have to do to get less and less back. The other thing as well is if you start, wherever you start, the only way is up. Yeah. So if you start at a gram or more, you're only going to increase your doses. And as yeah. Richard discovered today, there are people out there that have serious, serious usage problems that are genuinely struggling to not use and are having severe mental health problems, social problems, lifestyle problems because of their usage. Yeah. So just... You know, I've had a, a. I'm not. I've had people mess be preachy because we've all made silly choices. Yeah, and I'm not trying to be preachy, but the bottom line is first cycle, 300 to 500 mega test. That's never going to change. It doesn't matter how many times you ask, well, what if I do two mil of this 350 test, which is 700? Well, you can do two. Not always suggested. No, you can do that. That's your choice. Crack on. If you want to do that, do that. But that is not what I recommend. That is not what I think is sensible. And doesn't matter how many times and how many different ways you ask me, the answer will still be the same. Yeah. You know, if you choose to do more, that's your choice. If, if you've got an idea, a preconceived idea in your head of what you want to do, and you approach someone like Dave or me or, or anyone who's worth their soul, trying to get them to sign off on the idea you want them to sign off on, it's unlikely they're going to do it. You know, so if you're looking to other people for approval of what you want to do, um, that's that's not the way to go. Um, but, you know, do what you can. Stay safe. If you've got any further questions, do get in contact with either myself or Dave. Um, if I don't know, I'll point you in the direction of someone who does. Um, if Dave doesn't know, uh, I don't know, you probably asked him something about diet and he's not keen on that at the moment. Uh, the, the, what's cake? Did you say cake? <laughs> And um, there's only will... one problem with my diet, mate. I have a mouth. That's the problem with my diet. And we will um, we will cover uh, advanced usage and things that David's found work very well, and things that has found that David's found don't work so well at a at a future point. So thank you very much for listening.
and I will speak to you, see you all soon. Take care, stay safe.